Morning, everyone. My name is David, one of the ministers here, and great to be here with you, gathered by God. Uh, also, those joining us on the live stream, great to have you as well, uh, tuning in. Uh, now, hopefully, if you've been at church, if you haven't been here very long, you've heard about Christianity Explored. Who's heard about that? Thank you, because I bang on about it a lot. That's good. Um, when we do Christianity Explored, four-week course uh, that explains the, the good news about Jesus Christ, and, and we begin with Mark's Gospel in that course, uh, the beginning of Mark's Gospel, which reads like this, uh, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, but what I realised after doing Christianity Explored for a while uh, was that we're sort of starting the story with people like partway through, like we're kind of picking up a book and just opening to the middle to start reading. And, and what happens is you, you don't know where you are, you don't know who the characters are, you don't know what's going on, uh, and so on. Uh, and so it, it felt kind of like that with people coming to Christianity Explored, because uh, a number of them didn't really have a, a church background, didn't know much about the Bible, uh, maybe hadn't thought a lot about God or knew much about Him. Um, and so we were kind of just assuming uh, a lot of knowledge about God when we start in Mark's Gospel, that they just didn't have. And so Mark's gospel didn't make a lot of sense. And so we actually, I sort of realised, we have to go back further than the beginning of the gospel. It's kind of like what Paul did in Acts 17 that we read when he's uh, talking to the, the Gentiles in Athens. You see, in Acts, when Paul's talking to, to Jews, uh, people that knew the scriptures and were waiting for the Messiah, he starts with, the Messiah and the Scriptures, but, but when he's talking to Gentiles who didn't know anything about that stuff, uh, he starts with creation and God the Creator. So have a look at Acts 17, 24. He begins by saying, the God who made the world and everything in it. You see, the, the gospel doesn't make sense if God is not the creator of our world. Right? It is just the foundation that all Christian belief is built upon you know like the jenga tower you know with the with the bottom row no one goes for the bottom row first in jenga do they why because everything falls down right it's the foundation of the tower and creation and god the creator is the foundation of all christian belief without it uh, nothing makes sense and so now in the first week of christian explored we've started doing a, a bit of a uh, a foundation setting uh chat it's not very long but we just have these building blocks that we want to put in place with people. And so the first one is that God exists. The second one, uh, God created the world and everything in it. God creates us and all things. Uh, and then God cares about all that he has made. And then finally, God speaks to us through the Bible. So they're the building blocks. Uh, we only talk about them very briefly. Uh, we invite questions and all that. Um, but I always thought we should really write a talk about those things. That's what this talk is. Uh, so two birds, one stone. Uh, it's, it's the background talk for Christianity Explored, but it's also a look at God, our sovereign creator. Uh, that's what we're doing this week in week three of our We Believe mini-series on God. Uh, if you haven't been here for the first two weeks, the first week we did uh, God uh, is knowable. Though he is incomprehensible in his greatness, uh, God is knowable because he has made himself known to us. So we can truly know God. Uh, last week, we saw, you know, how has God revealed himself to us? Uh, who is he? He is eternal trinity. All right, God is one, existing in, a, in an everlasting, loving relationship of three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. 
And so far, the, the focus of this series has been on God himself. We've really been looking at, at who he is and what he has uh, revealed himself to be. Uh, but this week we, and this, next week, we sort of start to turn now toward uh, who is God toward us? How, how do we know him? How have we come to know who God is? And, and so it's two main ways uh, that God is our creator and God is our redeemer. And so this week is creator, next week is redeemer. Uh, but this week, as we look at God, our sovereign creator, we're going to take those first three building blocks that we mentioned in Christianity Explored. God exists, God creates, God cares. That's our outline for today. And then we'll look at some implications uh, of those things for all of us as we live in this world. Uh, so firstly, God exists. Uh, not everyone agrees with that statement, would you believe? Um, some people think God does not exist. And if that is the case then here's a picture of existence. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, that's the universe. That's all there is. Uh, it's, called, it's called naturalism. Uh, if God does not exist, then, then all we see is all there is. Right? We, we are just slime plus time. Have you heard that before? Right? We are just people subject to natural laws, random, you know, unconscious forces of nature... Um, you know, it's, it's just a survival of the fittest if God does not exist. And so if that's true, what kind of life does that lead to? Well, it leads to a life of just, just eat and drink and be merry because uh, life has no meaning. Just create your own meaning to your own life if this is all there is. But uh, if God exists, then life has a meaning that comes from him. Life has purpose that we don't have to create ourselves, uh, but we discover as we know God. And so uh, the Bible believes God exists. It doesn't make any arguments for his existence. It just assumes it. And it's not just that God exists, but that he is self-existing. Do you know what that means? God, God is self-existing. It means he doesn't depend on anything outside of himself. Uh, to give him life. Uh, he is life himself. He is the, the source of life. Right? What did Paul say to, to the people of Athens? Uh, he, he went on and he said that, that God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Right, so, you know, God, God doesn't need to sort of recharge his batteries when he, when he gets drained. Uh, he doesn't need to kind of replace his parts when they get worn out. Right? God, is, God is life in and of himself. He is the source of life. Right? God is self-existing and he has always existed. Right? He had no beginning. Have a look at what Moses says in Psalm 90. He says, Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Remember back from last week, God existed before creation as, as he is, as Trinity, uh, completely satisfied within himself uh, in the loving relationships of Father, Son and Spirit, our one God. And so as we think about this, the, the God's existence, I think the conclusion we need to draw uh, and can be life-changing is to realise God doesn't need us. God didn't need us. That's not why he created. Right? He, he wasn't lonely and just needed company. 
He wasn't just lagging and just needed some help from people. He wasn't wasn't lacking in any way. And so he needed us to complete him. Thank you, Jerry Maguire. Thank you for that line. We do not complete God. He didn't need us for that. God didn't have to create anything. But God chose to create. But it was by his grace, it was by his free and gracious will that God overflowed uh, into creation. But it's a good thing to think about. It's a good question to ask ourselves. Uh, It's a question that God actually asks of Job. And I think it's a good question to ask us. So Job 38.4, God asks him, where were you when I laid earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Uh, Good for us to think about too. Because the answer is, we were nowhere. Uh, We were nothing. Before creation, there was God and God alone. Aren't you glad that God chose to create life? Aren't you glad to exist? Uh, It's kind of like thinking about, you know, uh, where were you before you were born? You ever thought about that? Where where, where were you before your parents had you? Um, it's, It's interesting to think about. You know, what part did you play in your conception and your birth? What power did you have over where you would be born or when or even if you would be born? You had no power over that. And it's like that with with us and creation. What should that do to us? I think it should produce just a profound thankfulness in us that we can move and and see and breathe and talk and just enjoy creation. It should produce just a profound thankfulness to God, but also just a great humility that that we even exist at all, that our great God would choose to to create us and all things uh, just by sheer grace because he wanted to. So God exists, and we've already overlapped into this one, but God creates Uh, God chose to create, Um, you know, God had no beginning, but creation definitely did have a beginning. And and the Bible teaches that when God created, he didn't sort of grab things that were around and and make something. Uh, He created everything out of nothing. Everything from nothing. Hebrews 11.3 captures it for us. The author says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So God made made things that were seen out of invisible things, or out of of nothing. That's how God created. And so this this truth kind of forms a a basic biblical understanding of creation, right? So I've got a a diagram here of everything that exists, okay? Let's have a look. There it is. This is everything that exists in the entire universe. Uh, There is God... Uh, He is ultimate and eternal and infinite. He is reality in and of himself. And then there is creation. Creation comes from God. Uh, It's not eternal. It's not infinite. Uh, It is is dependent upon God and finite. Now, it's good to note here that God is separate from creation. God is not creation. That's a, a heresy called pantheism where God is the universe, or the universe is kind of part of God. Um, You might have seen this in Avatar, uh, the first or the second movie, uh, or even like Pocahontas, where God is the universe, 
some kind of mother nature essence to the world. Uh, that is not the way the world is. Uh, th this is the biblical view, the one we just looked at. Right, God exists outside of creation and creation depends totally upon God for its existence. Right, and, and, and we're included in that, in that lower white circle. We're part of creation. We are creatures, aren't we? Uh, human creatures. Uh, and it's, it's so interesting that the creation account in Genesis, uh, when it's talking about creation, it, it really zooms in on the human creature to show us the, the really special place that they have in creation. It's like the, the crowning moment of creation uh, when God makes humans in his image. Uh, what does that mean, in his image? Uh, it's been debated a lot. I'm not going to explain it all now, but at the, very, at the very least, what it means is that humans have a unique place in creation. Right? Uh, we, we share a special relationship with the creator that nothing else in all creation shares. Uh, and we see this in the way that God creates humans. He does it very specially in Genesis. So Genesis 2.7 shows us that. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Oh, do you notice here it's a two-stage creation? Do you see that? Uh, God forms the man from the dust, uh, but, but he's lifeless. Right? There, there's no breath in him. He, he's inanimate. It's just a, just a body. And then God breathes into him the breath of of life and he becomes a living being and so this is not like some kind of bondi rescue like god makes the man he's like oh quick you know cpr time no it's it's, it's actually the creation of life where, where life that is in the creator uh, is breathed into his creation so they share life that is in him all right so all creation owes its existence to god but but especially uh, the human creature. Right, Paul says in, in Acts again, it's not on the screen, but he says that in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. Because right, he gives life, he gives us breath, every breath. Uh, so that's it. So God exists, God creates, and now God cares. So when God created the, the universe and everything in it, uh, he didn't just kind of leave it to do its thing. That's another heresy called deism, another false way of understanding creation. Uh, this is where like, God is kind of the divine watchmaker, where he made everything, he kind of wound it up and then just sort of let it go. And he just goes off and, and does other God stuff that he's got to do. But that's, that's not a way to view creation. In contrast, the Bible says that that God is actually very closely involved with his creation. Uh, he is very near and, and, he, and he cares. Right? He, is, he is sustaining every single moment of our existence. And he's also directing all things uh, according to his sovereign power. Uh, that, that little arrow shall represent God's closeness and care of creation. And so, so God is, is directing uh, all things, sustaining all things by his sovereign power. And God's sovereign power is just absolute. Now, we don't have time to go into it. The Bible talks about it. Here's a great verse. It just gives it to us. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Talking about what he does on earth. 
whatever pleases him, he does. And he does all things. Uh, God is sovereign over all his creatures. Psalm 104, what a great psalm. God is sovereign over all his creatures because all creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. And when you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. It's God who gives us our breath. Uh, God is sovereign over all, uh, all creatures, but particularly and especially human creatures. Right? Proverbs 16.9 says that a man's heart plans his ways, or the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Uh, God is sovereign over our lives, every step of our lives. And God is sovereign over even the smallest events uh, in the universe. Uh, Proverbs 16.33 tells us the lot is cast in the lap. It's like a like sort of a dice or something, just like a little, um, you know, chance thing. But it's every decision is from the Lord. Right, everything in creation is subject to the sovereign power of God and his will. Right, a little bit scary, I think, just this, this mighty sovereign God just sort of ruling over everything. Uh, it, it would be scary if we didn't know his heart, right? It's good for us to know God has sovereign power, but it's even better when we know how he is using it, right? What is God's heart? How does he use his power? Um, I think here's a little illustration to help us think about it. There's this great moment in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis uh, where Mr. Beaver is telling Susan about Aslan the Lion. It's going to sound crazy if you haven't read the books, um, but uh, it'll make sense as, as we go through. Mr. Beaver talking to Susan about Aslan the lion. So Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Course he isn't safe. But he's good. Right, our God is not, is not safe, uh, but he is good. Right, he uses his sovereign power to care for his creation. Uh, he is a good creator. He is a good God who cares for his creation. Psalm 145, we read it a few weeks ago, uh, can sum that up for us. It says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all, he has compassion on all he has made. Right, this, this is our God. Right, he, is, he is the creator. He is the eternal self-existing one who has life in himself. But he created and, and gave that life uh, to, to us and to all things. Right, and God has not left us on our own, but he cares for everything that he has made. He is closely involved with us. Right, this, is the, this is the foundation uh, of all Christian belief. Right, without it, nothing in the Bible is going to make sense. Right, creation really, it really sets the stage for life, doesn't it? Uh, creation sets the stage for life. You know, like I said, Calvin uh, says that creation is like the theatre of God's glory. 
Uh, it's like it's the stage uh, for life to be lived on. And creation really uh, gives us uh, some implications for life, like how we ought to live, how we ought to think about uh, what this means for us. And so I've just got three implications for us to finish up about the, the kind of stage that creation sets for us to think about. So the first thing is that creation sets the stage for worship. Creation sets the stage for worship. Right, so, so what is the meaning of life? That's a great question. That's a question that kind of, you know, we ask when we're kids, but then we kind of get too old for it or something, or we get too smart for it, or I don't know what it is, but we stop asking that question as we get older. But it's a great question. What is the meaning of life? Right, the, the Bible tells us, uh, the Psalms tell us, and the very end of the Psalms, Psalm 150 verse 6, uh, really puts it plainly. Psalm 150 verse 6, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right, so just, you know, picture a decision-making chart. You know those decision-making charts? The top question is, uh, do you have breath in you? Okay, then it's got, you know, no. I don't know how you're reading this. Um, but, but yes, do you have breath in you? Yes. What do you do? Praise the Lord. That everything that has breath in it, praise the Lord. Uh, that is what God created us for. That's why God gave us our breath. So we might praise him in return for his grace. You know, so Adam wakes up, praise the Lord. Uh, you have breath in you, you wake up in the morning, praise the Lord. That is what we were made for, uh, to praise the Lord. Right? To, to glorify him, uh, to love him, to worship him, to obey him, to delight in him. That is what God made us for. Uh, and it's because he's our creator. So, so John connects these ideas in Revelation 4, if you want some more proof. Um, uh, John says that you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. And why? For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So you see, if you think about what's the meaning of my life, we don't have to create some kind of meaning for our lives. Uh, we can discover it, right? Because God gives our life meaning. God gives our life purpose. Right? And, and creation sets the stage for that for us. Creation sets the stage for creatures to worship their creator. And so that's the first uh, implication. The second follows on from that, uh, is that creation then sets the stage for sin and judgment. Uh, because here's the bad news, we do not worship God like we should. Uh, and we did not in the beginning. Uh, we sinned. Adam and Eve sinned first, but we have sinned after them, uh, just like them. Uh, they did not worship God like they ought to, and neither do we. And so Paul explains it this way in Romans. When he's talking about sin, he says, For although they knew God, talking about humans know God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. So you can see that creatures were made to worship the creator. They didn't do that. And so creation really defines what sin is for us, doesn't it? Right? We do not thank God. We do not serve God. We do not worship God like we should. But we have exchanged that created purpose instead to worship creatures. 
So rather than worship the creator, we worship creatures in creation. And, and normally the number one creature we worship is the one in the mirror, is ourselves. Right? We, we reject God and, and his rule over our life and we just go, I'm going to live life my way. I'm going to make my own purpose and meaning. Right? And this is sin. And, and because of this, the whole world is accountable to God. The whole world is accountable to our creator uh, for judgment. So Paul goes on to talk about this in Acts. As he's talking about God the creator, he goes to God the judge. Because he set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Right, so God the creator is also our judge, isn't he? And a day is approaching when all creatures will stand before the creator and will have to give an account of their lives to what they did with the breath that he gave them. And what will be true of each of us is that on our own, none of us could stand. In our sin, we all deserve the judgment of God. So it is a fearful prospect for creatures to stand before their creator in our sin. That is the bad news. Uh, but then that leads us to the third implication in that creation sets the stage for redemption. Creation sets the stage for redemption. Now, do you ever notice how the Bible is a lot like a story? Hopefully you, you've, you can see that. It's a story. Uh, and stories in their most basic form uh, have three parts, beginning, middle, and end. And so today I've been looking at the beginning, the beginning of our story when God created the universe, uh, and we've seen the sin that came in just after that. So, but I've got to ask the question, why didn't the story end there? God had every right to finish the story right there when his creatures would not worship him, but it kept going. God kept sustaining the world that he created. He didn't abandon it. Why did God do that? Right, Because God had a purpose for creation beyond our sin. Right, God began the story with the end in mind uh, and he's not finished right god is not finished with his creation we are in the middle of the story where god is working all things together toward the glorious end of the story right and what is that end uh, it is redemption it's redemption uh, redemption is god's people uh, from every nation uh, gathered before him uh, to praise him, to worship him uh, forever in the new creation. Right? That is where all things are heading. That is the end of the story. The, the good news of the gospel is that redemption is here. Redemption has come in a person. Right? So, so now we are ready to look at Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Because in Jesus, the sovereign creator of our universe has entered into his creation right, to speak with us, to speak with us. Have a look at Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, which is today, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. Right, right, Jesus, the Son, second member of the Trinity, creator, has entered into creation. 
and he came to redeem us. Right? He came to call us back from our sin, to turn us from that way and turn us back to God. Right? Jesus came to give us life that we were created for. Right? He came to, to redeem us for that life. Right? That's why knowing who he is, knowing why he came, right, is, is so important to us all and the best news that you could ever hear. Right, and this is kind of like part one of a, of a two-part talk. Next week, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at God, our gracious Redeemer, uh, who has come in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but that's it for today. I'm going to pray and give thanks for God, our Creator, uh, and pray that we would worship Him as He created us to do. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful as we think about uh, your creation uh, we are thankful to have life and breath and everything from your hand and that you would sustain us every moment of every day, uh, giving us all that we need. Our Lord, we know that we uh, do not love you as we should, uh, thank you and serve you as we ought in our sin, uh, but we are thankful uh, that the story is not over, uh, that you've sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die and rise again uh, and to be for us our Redeemer and our Saviour and our Lord. Now we thank you that in him we have life, uh, new life, that begins now and goes on forever. Father, I pray in light of this and by the power of your spirit that you would turn our hearts to worship you as you created us for. I pray that we would love you and obey you uh, and listen to your word uh, and seek to do all the things that you have called us to. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.